0: Hello, welcome to episode 29 of Defense Against the Dark Arts. I am Paul Mill, and this is the forbidden topic of the Tree of Knowledge. First off, why does our society not have a well-known, cogent source of first principles of science? A Bible of science. Maybe a lot of people have tried to write it, but there's not a universal. Here you go. This is how we prove ourselves wrong. This is why we think this, etc. So, what's our source of knowledge? Descartes believed it came from some other dimension where some sentient being gives it to us. Many other famous, otherwise very intelligent people claim their source of of knowledge and creativity comes from some similar place. Beethoven, uh, Richard Wagner... Uh, The writer Walter Scott, Salvador Dali, Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla, Isaac Newton, etc. They have all created uh, hypnagogia and related states of mind with enhancing their creativity or giving them a source of information. Einstein would drift off into a dimension of mind with his thought experiments. And Charles Darwin claimed that he would often leave his body and talk with entities from Other dimensions. (laughs) I shit you not. Charles Darwin, right? This guy, he was, uh, he had a bunch of uh, bizarre issues, including painful farts. (laughs) Darwin, yes. So, uh, of course, we know our experts diagnosed him with anxiety and depression. And Darwin himself wrote that he, he was anxious because he thought there was a chance that he might be wrong about evolution and that there might actually be a God, in which case he, Darwin, really fucked up. <laughs> so, of course, he was using the either-or fallacy of there, you know, there can't be gods and evolution at the same time, where there is no correlation. They are not mutually exclusive. I'm not saying there is one or the other, um, but uh, they, they're not mutually exclusive. Darwin, uh, he was, he was a pretty serious weirdo and he deserves an episode all of his own, but the, his his crippling anxiety was brought about by his going against his conditioning, his, his being manipulated into believing that there is a terrible God that will fuck him up severely simply for observing and writing about evolution. Now, does this terrible exhaust, terrible exhaust, does this terrible God exist in this dimension of mind? where there may be sentient beings whispering crap to humans. You know, can we make an experiment to prove or disprove this, you know, their existence? Hypnagogia is the state of consciousness between uh, being asleep and awake, and we've all experienced this in one form or another. If you've, if you've done something for a long time, you know, during the day, you might see images of it before you drift off to sleep. If you're, you know, sailing out at sea, you might see visions of, of holding the lines and the sound of the waves hitting the hull just before you, you know, you drift off. Or or if you're working in a helicopter, you might see visions of the ground drifting under your feet and the and the sparkle of distant water catching the sunlight. Or, or if you're in the bush for an extended period of time, you might feel rock under your fingers the grit from climbing cliffs and, and the feel of bushes against your shins that give you those tiny scratches that leave you know that that sweaty sting on your on your shins after being you know hiking for a long time with with shorts on these are all forms of, of hypnagogia this topic skirts very close to the taboo the the woo woo the the forbidden subject where we shun those who explore it for thinking differently. Apple's vacant propaganda and buzzwords notwithstanding. So I try to read what I'm told not to, and I listen to those who I'm told not to listen to, as manipulators tell people what not to read, who not to listen to, in order to keep their bullshit hidden. This is the number one, Number one, a, a very dominant tactic by manipulators to control your information, to not allow you to think the wrong thoughts, right? Because then you might see through their bullshit and lies, which is not what they want. So if it was a person who's, you know, open, uh, you know, a normal person, they'd say, Hey man, read all the sources, get all the information you can. I could be wrong, but you know, manipulators generally don't go that route route. If you're American route with an a route. R-O-U-T-E. There's no A, motherfuckers. (laughs) So, there are enough notable claims made by uh, many of our geniuses throughout the history that warrant this examination. So today, I will explore this forbidden subject. My thoughts are, of course, supposition for the sake of argument. It's hypothesis, hypotheses, and ponderings thought experiments, and what-ifs. So could there be information reaching us from some other higher dimension as Descartes and a lot of these other experts? gene not experts. I mean, like geniuses of humanity (laughs) have claimed, right? Can we come up with some experiment to prove or, or disprove it? Well, maybe. If it's a signal and we have receivers built in we should be able to mimic those signals and detect uh, those test signals, you know, in, in our heads if we create them. If we can figure out a mechanism of, of transmission, but if it's on some other dimension beyond space-time, how could we generate them? Well, our brain, you know, our, our brain's extra-dimensional antenna may receive-only. Why would we need to transmit to this dimension of mind but then I guess if you think about it, we would need to transmit as well to put in queries to contemplate and then get, you know, our thoughts about the, the things we want to think about. So our brain's antenna must therefore be both transmit and receive. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's a complex system, like there's some PKI or uh, public key infrastructure PKI. You know, maybe there's some kind of a complex algorithm, you know, thing going on with with public keys and private keys, you know, higher dimensional blockchain of mind. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> I might be like uh like some kind of a savage thinking about how to gain access to the internet of of the mind. You know, even even if I have the tech, there may be passcodes and firewalls to prevent even experts from getting access. So this is this is where we could, we maybe standing I don't know but uh, would God put a firewall to the tree of knowledge probably would natural selection put a firewall to some higher dimension of thought well it's possible but natural selection is bizarre and it's capable of things we we still don't understand and we may not for ever (laughs) but without the feedback of experiment I don't think I can explore proving it either way any further So for the sake of argument, let's just presume, assume, let's presume it's there. There's some evidence, maybe there's no evidence, so I guess we're assuming. I like the word presume, right, because it's for the sake of argument. So if this dimension exists uh, with sentience, some some kind of, you know, knowing creature there, passing information along, would we know if the information is benevolent or malevolent or neither, If the signal is malevolent, well what then? Do we contemplate if a typewriter is malevolent or benevolent? (laughs) No, the medium itself is not good or evil. But what about the source of the information? Is a library a source of information? Well, yeah, sure. Does it contain evil? Mein Kampf, The Communist Manifesto, Mao's Little Red Book? Yes. It sure it does. Does that make the source, the library, evil or or malevolent? No. Does that make those who wrote the books evil or, or malevolent? Perhaps. Now I'm not saying evil means malevolent here, I'm just sort of throwing these words around sort of interchangeably. But uh no, so the the those who wrote the books may be evil or or malevolent. They have You know, showing intense, vicious, ill will, spite, hatred, right? That's what malevolent means. So, yeah, may not be considered evil, but we could just sort of sum it up as evil, right? Depending on how you define evil. So, do we all share these emotions at one point or another? Yes. You know, are we evil? No. Are the the authors evil? Well, probably, you know, in this case. So, is this dimension of mind a... Library, or a quorum of sentient authors, or a single entity, or random noise. Do we contemplate if the source of gravity is malevolent or not? No. Is gravity knowledge? No. But the concept of gravity is. So what is the source of the concept of gravity? Our feedback with objective reality and our continuous dropping of shit. It's it's there whether we have the concept or understand it or not. Things will still fall towards the earth, towards larger masses. But the concept of Marxism is not there without the concept. Its evil requires a human mind to manifest it from the ether. Or, according to this model of dimension of mind, there is a source of that concept and the dimension of mind that projects itself onto some humans, but not all. Those insights and creative eurekas usually happen to a very few people, usually one or two. Why would that happen if this dimension of mind was accessible to all? Perhaps there are only a few at a time who have developed the schemata to understand the idea when it is presented to us. Humans have been contemplating this crap for thousands of years maybe more. Carl Jung wrote about higher dimension messaging from what he called a collective unconscious. It seems to be a pretty important subject where knowledge comes from. Why does our society mostly ignore it and just, you know, conduct mundane life without questioning? If it is that important, how come it has not been incorporated into our daily lives? Or maybe it has. And, you know, us stupid humans just keep fucking things up, right? Misunderstanding it and turning it into a dogmatic re- uh, religion of bullshit. Or is this thinking about the source of thought a mental anomaly that has affected humans for thousands of years? Is, is, it, is it a flaw in our programming, a flaw in evolution? Or is it the next step in evolution? Why, you know... W- would it bring us any benefit evolutionarily? Evolutionarily? Yeah, that's a word. Or is it a process that only occurs when society has reached a certain level and it triggers the end-of-days functions in our mental programming? Or are we just sophisticated and just recognize the potential for end-of-days more? <laughs> Perhaps it's, it's not a society-level event, but uh, an effect on some individuals only. I know some older Marxists who don't contemplate shit. It's not a purely an age thing, you know, even if, if this model exists. So if it, if it, this, if this higher dimension shit is real, we didn't, we need an evolutionary device to wire it into our DNA. Maybe there already has been. And, and that is why we as a species keep circling back to it, back to the concept It could be an evolutionary flaw or an evolutionary benefit or just a neutral thing, an evolutionary change that has no real effect on our survival. Maybe this part of our mind has not yet fully developed evolutionarily. Is there such a thing as being fully developed in evolution? Well, yes. Functioning wings, functioning legs, functioning eyes... They are sufficient to do their job, so they are fully developed for their task. But they were obviously at one point in transition and insufficient, but superior to their competitors. So I guess sufficient is subjective. And I need not focus sharply if it can detect better than its competitors. Sufficient, but there is always room for improvement. Based on what criteria? Competition. Competition. Anyone who has written things down knows ideas can happen in an immediate, mostly formed packet of thought. And it can sometimes be a challenge to write them down before the next packet of thought manifests and overwrites the penultimate packet. <laughs> so this model of the dimension of mind, if it's true, concepts are spit out at us in packets. So, of course, you know, we have memory. But new ideas can be like dreams and and vaporize before we have a chance to grab on and digest them for a while, you know, to fully absorb them enough to remember them. So even really good ideas can disappear really quick. Thoughts are fleeting. From an evolutionary perspective, why would thoughts be fleeting? Or even a religious one, why would they be fleeting? While thinking, we often distract ourselves with new ideas, but if new ideas come from this other dimension and we don't know if the source is malevolent or benevolent or neither, you know, or many sources that are varied, perhaps it's a just a storm of ideas that we can tap into. There's something exciting about storms. It makes one crave to be out on the, the open sea, taming the, the deadly wind and waves in a crappy little boat and some canvas, you know, spilling, you know, beer on our beards and yelling at the gods in disgust at their weakness, <laughs> you know, it's like raw. By taming nature, I don't mean taming the storm itself, but controlling our experience in it. Like how surfing is not controlling the wave, it's controlling yourself on the wave. We have a, an instinct to tame nature and it's exciting. Taming nature and surviving. Or perhaps even, you know, having a laugh on our way out, knowing we're going to die sometime anyway, might as well be an exciting death as opposed to groveling under the control of some Marxist (laughs) shitbags. Does this instinct, these, these thoughts of taming nature come from this taboo place, this dimension of mind that our elders spoke about? Surviving, well, surviving is exciting, and this is Precisely what contemporary Marxists hate. They push nihilism, which manipulates targets, into not recognizing that which makes life exciting. Nihilism it denies people their true, full humanity. It makes them passive cowards. The excitement of life would not be present unless we're mortal and, and, and embrace our purpose, which is to live free. Live free or die, right? What is that, uh, New Hampshire? Those guys are awesome. The same can be said about you know, religious zealots who deny our mortality and, and destroy our minds. Perhaps this is why we evolve to be short-lived, because we tend to lose the excitement of life when we get old and therefore die off to make room for those who deserve to be living, those who still enjoy life and want to be free. Marxism, and its requisite authoritarianism, is evil. Perhaps it comes from a place where grumpy assholes lost their zeal for life and resent seeing others free and happy. Regardless, focusing your energy on control of others means you are not focusing your energy on control over yourself. I guess that's Jordan Peterson's point about cleaning up your own personal mess before you start telling others how to live and what to think. In this model of higher dimension of mind that spawns thought, Marxism and totalitarianism are thoughts and therefore spawn from this place. And if there is a sentience passing the thoughts on to us, since Marxism is clearly evil, then the sentience that is there is indeed malevolent. Clearly, not all thoughts are evil. So if there is a sentience there, it or they are not all or always evil, unless it's some other type of way of thinking, like some Nietzschean, if that's a word, Like how Friedrich Nietzsche wrote about good and evil, that there is none. (laughs) That this is just a natural selection of random thoughts and concepts that are not intrinsically good or evil, regardless of how we try to categorize them. Like the spider is not intrinsically evil for eating the fly, it's just surviving. Same as the bird is not evil for eating the spider, it is just surviving. If it were evil, then life and natural selection is evil, but clearly it is not or at least not entirely. So, threats to our existence. That mortality is what makes life exciting. There are obviously limits to what is exciting. It might be exciting for the fly to strafe the spider. But if it gets caught in the web, that excitement may turn into horror, agony, and death for the fly. But an an enjoyable and tasty meal and health for the spider. Maybe it's not horror and agony for the fly. Maybe the fly is like... Fuck you, spider, you piece of shit. I hope I give you just ing- indigestion, asshole. <laughs> then lights out. So frame of mind is, is very important. Nevertheless, if we are the fly and Marxism is the spider, it just takes a change in our frame of mind to become the bird. And Marxism will always be the spider because it is just an idea. It does not have a life of its own. So perhaps stagnation of a development society brings about war as humans become bored and crave the excitement and you know of threatening experiences or romanticize war as something that they think they know but anyone who's experienced war will tell you it is not something that anyone wants ever my father was a child of war and he carried that burden with him until his dying day it defined a major part of his personality that he could not walk away from no matter how hard he tried. After the war, both of my grandfathers moved to rural wooded areas in Canada, far from the masses of humans, because they saw what humans were capable of during war. The naive idiots who romanticize Marxism and suffering have no clue what they are doing. If if they did, if they thought critically, they would know better. Again, I want to stress that critical thought is Not the same as critical theory. Critical thought is truth seeking. Critical theory is bigoted stereotype for the purpose of division and hate, and a precursor for overthrow, violence, and war. Perhaps evolution is trying to thin us out until we hit the critical mass of critical thinkers. (laughs) Is evolution sentient? If it's doing this right, probably not, though there are really bizarre things in this world that make one think that it is, you know, is is evolution some type of logical algorithm? Absolutely. It's an algorithm of random changes against the feedback of objective reality in a dynamic complex system. If evolution can bring about something as complex as the human brain in the physical world, Surely evolution has the capacity to bring about complex ideas that are many layers deep. Such multidimensional concepts of control over others as what I and others interpret to the cultural Marxist attack on our contemporary society. So who's responsible? The Pope, the Jesuits, the Russians, the Chinese, the UN, the U.S. intelligence community? the military-industrial complex, the university, the Illuminati, who was started by the Jesuits. Maybe it's not entirely the CCP, though they have admitted as much, but some evolutionary attempt at survival by an idea. Perhaps all the above. Perhaps someone else. Perhaps just a malignant cancer of thought and nothing more. No doubt there are complex systems at play that I do not fully understand. It's funny how crazy this stuff sounds when you Think about it, but it's you know. So is light, magnetism, charge, mass, gravity, life, evolution, photosynthesis. It's all really bizarre, man. But just because things can happen doesn't mean that they do. Although the quantum physics crowd would argue that they do, as a probability wave function, which is more of a unbelie- more unbelievable than some dimension of mind. But what's believable is irrelevant to objective reality. Reality is not affected by what some mammal believes or not. Or is there a circumstance where it does? (laughs) Maybe. Politics, advertising, news media, and other forms of manipulation believe the the mantra that perception is reality, which we know, like magic, is bullshit. They just mean that they can deceive and manipulate people to act as if a lie is the truth, and the target will act accordingly until the truth is exposed, in which case the perpetrators of that lie will be lined up against the wall and shot, or should be, (laughs) even the useful idiots. In this model, where thoughts and concepts come from some dimension of mind, would this collective consciousness only include humans from this planet? from when? If it's a higher dimension, would it be above time and place? So it could be from all time and places. Could it be from another universe? No. Why? The definition of universe is everything. So if it exists, it's in our universe. Same would go with gods. If they exist, they exist in our universe. All planes, all dimensions. It appears our elders or geniuses who have gathered information from this place do find truths, but they also tend to spin out into falsity and paralogism. Why? Do they lose contact? Do they lose the nexus? Or there is no nexus and the model, the whole concept, is bullshit, despite coming from humanity's greatest minds. Constant re-examination will allow us to backtrack to the last known version of the truth and then recommence learning from that point. That's the idea of science. Not to stop the spin outs of thought, but to recognize them and correct the course. Just like a crappy little boat on some stormy sea, constant corrections at the helm are always needed. We are sailors of concept through the stormy seas of the collective unconscious. Or am I just overboard, gone off the deep end? <laughs> It's just a model, right? Perhaps we, we only like to look at flowers and not recognize that they are part of a larger plant. We may look at the concepts without immediately realizing that they are or may be such flowers, like flowers on the tree of knowledge or perhaps blossoms on the poison vine of falsity and deception. Nature has many ways of camouflage and deception, both for defense and offense, Why would it be any different for ideas that form in the chaos of natural selection, the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge? Who determines, who determines, (laughs) too many D's there. Who determines if knowledge is forbidden? I'm getting biblical. It's easy to imagine that Moses might have been commuting, commuting, communicating cogently, the concepts of Jung's collective consciousness to his contemporaries, but through a a long uh, line, a long game of telephone, his words are so distorted that today they just are metaphor. Could competing concepts both be true? Sure, just two perspectives, it's possible. In this model of mind, when we think, there are many distractions from the material world, But there are also distractions from the realm of thought. Are distractions from the realm of thought intentional distractions by some entity or like branches in a forest? They just get in our way and we, we can choose to pay attention to this distraction and examine the concept or move along like monkeys through the tree of knowledge to our targeted fruit. But who else lives in this tree? Snakes? Birds? Fungus? Bugs? Squirrels? Other monkeys, chimps, cats. <laughs> Could the tree of life itself be sentient? Or the mycelium? Mycelium kind of look like dendrites on neurons, but then so do trees and their roots. And the physical resemblance to something does not imply that they are alike in any way. So, seeing how brutal evolution is to life, why would it be any different to concepts and thoughts? Great Majestic ideas may be extinguished at random, just like the dinosaurs. Does space-time, or what's beyond, have consciousness? Or is it what? Random events that produce highly complex things like the human mind by following some simple algorithm? It's almost as if there's some kind of sentience in math and logic and objective reality. It's, it's spooky how pi appears in the chaos of dropping a pin. Actually, it's 2 pi or tau. Or everything about the golden ratio and the, the Fibonacci sequence. It's spooky stuff. Is there sentience in this dimension of mind beyond ours? Perhaps it's part of some greater uh, spooky consciousness of the universe. Carl Jung's Masters of Synchronicity if if the model of dimension of if the model is a dimension of mind and we think then part of us must exist in this higher dimension perhaps this is where our consciousness or parts of it exist in this dimension of mind so according to some big brains from human history this dimension of thought contains truths that we do not yet know or is this process of creating thoughts an algorithm in our mind, or algorithms, patterns of inference that give us ideas that if we are critical thinkers, we can test against the objective, the objective reality, the objectivity of rea- you know what I mean? <laughs> what we do with these thoughts can lead to other thoughts, schemata built on top of schema. So just coming up with a thought and then believing it like some Marxist idiot is the lowest level of reason. I'm using the word reason liberally here. Coming up with a thought and then holding it against objective reality, actively trying to find flaws and then refining it into iterations is critical thinking. But with this model of some higher dimension as the source of thoughts, where they are like fruits only to be picked, implies that one only need to think like some ancient philosopher, to be able to find and deduce new truths. Which sounds crazy, but that's what Einstein did, though he prepped his schemata to the point where he saw further because he stood on the shoulders of giants. I think it was actually Isaac Newton that said that. Yeah, the giant thing was Newton. Regardless, Einstein did the same thing. He stood on the shoulders of Minkowski, Michelson-Morley, Maxwell all over Heaviside, and the rest. So if this model of thoughts coming from some other dimension of valid, then it appears one can only draw a little bit of information from it based on your schemata, implying that you may only be able to recognize the information from that place if you have the requisite level of knowledge to see it. Or maybe you are synthesizing the information in your head using some algorithms that are running in the background of our minds. In your personal subjective mind. If this collective dimension of thought existed, would we all be able to draw from it? Perhaps this would explain zeitgeist. If it does exist, it's a very subtle, tenuous thing. We know from conditioning that thoughts can be accepted into targets by manipulators. Does this prove that this dimension of mind does not exist? No. They both could exist. It's not mutually exclusive. So the natural selection algorithm model of our mind versus the model of the dimension of mind are not mutually exclusive. This existence of one does not prove the non-existence of the other. They both can exist at the same time, logically. How can we disprove this model of the dimension of mind, this this tree of knowledge, or the other one, the algorithm? Descartes dropped the ball on this one and he's a lot smarter than I am. Regardless, the source of thought is not itself a spring of truth, as many thoughts are clearly not the truth, unless it is a source of truth, but our minds are also a source of thoughts which may or may not be true. Or maybe it's a source of falsity, and our minds are the source of truth. Once we go down this road of there being two sources of thought, there is no reason to speculate that that there may be another source or other sources outside of our minds alone. Occam's razor. So it's more plausible that thought just originates from our minds than a whole other dimension. Some argue that instinct is a form of collective unconscious with those that share your genetics. Well, once you mention genetics, it seems more plausible that we are wired by those genetics to have those instincts. There still are mysteries, like how do those hatched monarch butterflies know which direction they're going mid, uh, when they're born mid-migration? Darwin wrote about plants growing towards the light, which almost implies intelligence, is their instinct in plants. Instinct is the, the behavior, it is the inherent inclination of a living organism towards a particular complex behavior. So it sure looks like instinct, We know plants grow against gravity and are photosensitive. They can see light. They use proteins and hormones to elongate cells on the dark side to bend the plant towards the light. We also know plants release specific hormones when attacked that promote the release of volatile compounds, which attract parasitoids, which then attack and kill predator insects, which is a pretty complicated mechanism. The difference between a parasite and a parasitoid is that parasitoids always kill the host. Like how Marxism is a parasitoid on the human condition. (laughs) So how do plants do it? Biochemical reactions, it seems. Are they tapping into some dimension of thought of how to defend themselves against these predators? Or has evolution chosen the crazy complex systems that manage to survive? They appear to be involuntary biochemical reactions which I would presume are different to thoughts. Can a plant think and therefore be? Probably not. Can mycelium? Perhaps. Can humans? Apparently, some. (laughs) Are plants conscious? What's the definition of conscious? It is sentience, or an awareness of internal and external existence. Plants are obviously aware of external existence, as demonstrated by their complex response to attack. Are they aware of internal existence? Probably not. Are are, are, uh, mycelium, perhaps? Are humans? Some of them. This raises the question of there being NPC humans, or non-player characters. They only appear to be sentient. Interacting with people in an urban environment one would have no doubt that there are NPC humans milling about. How could we prove or disprove this? We need a test for sentience. The artificial intelligence crowd is working on it. Some Turing test that will actually work. It would be great to test humans once they get one working and then thin the herd or keep them as So what is proof of consciousness? able to communicate that you can think is not proof because that's all we would need to do to pass the Turing test. I wonder if we could program philosophical AI that can compare its random thoughts against objective reality, discard the bad, keep the good and then iterate. It potentially could blow our minds in minutes, thousands of flops, a second, right? Millions of flops or a quantum computer. Could it do that in one iteration? since it's doing all paths at one time. If you ask the right question, perhaps. No dimension of mind is necessary. Or is the quantum the mind, the dimension of mind? (laughs) You know, the probability of thought until the function collapses into an idea. You know, you'd think we'd be a lot smarter if that was the case. But what method or algorithm would be programmed into the AI? I guess it doesn't really matter so long as it compares its ideas against proven logic and objective reality and keeps coming up with new, random, different thoughts, not keep testing the same ones over and over again because it's insane, right? It could have, you know, uh, vast thought experiments, but it would still need the feedback from objective, objective reality to temper its wild guesses. Descartes wrote about how concerned he was that, you know, to publicly discuss his methods of thought as he... Thought it might sound crazy because people generally do not discuss such things openly. Darwin went insane with anxiety, not because of what the public thought, you know, about his heresy of evolution, but because he thought he might be wrong and his God, if it exists, would be a vengeful one, <laughs> right? So today it's still the same. To discuss consciousness is woo woo. While we, you know, all have it, uh, NPCs notwithstanding, we don't know what it is or or even how to test for it. So how can we hope to know where thoughts and concepts come from until we first pin down consciousness? How can we pin down consciousness if no one is looking into it? Of course, there are some CIA types who are probing for malevolent reasons. Speculations are fun and should be encouraged by critical thinkers as a source for hypotheses. When we think about our own consciousness it's evident that we are not always the same level of awareness of what's going on around us we don't have the same level of unagi you know from weak connections or zoning out to strong sober interactions with those around us never mind the different levels of sleep and hypnagogia hypnagogia I had a ton of other speculations that I was going to include, but I think I'm going to read more scholarly stuff on consciousness before I do. So in conclusion, while there may be some tree of knowledge and some dimension of mind, I'm going to hold judgment until we know more about consciousness and go with the most plausible model that thoughts come from our minds inside our brains. While there may be many ways to communicate with each other, The dimension of mind is most likely not one of them. Though I have to say, it is bizarre when you try to pin down your own thoughts. Where do they come from? They just sort of appear, right? From where, right? The closer we examine reality, the spookier it gets. There is a lot of spookiness in math, occurrences of pi in bizarre places that have nothing to do with circles, and the golden ratio, and the Fibonacci sequence, never mind the insane world of quantum probability functions. Or or even what charge or mass is. These are just bizarre things when you start trying to pin them down. So a dimension of mind, while not very plausible, is no stranger than what science has already revealed to us about reality.